Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes... Lots of other marvellous benefits and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash iron filings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? Ah, uh, welcome along. Once again, we are delving into the history box and looking at um, an event in the past which is of interest to us and we hope will be of interest to you. Uh, this is quite a niche one. Um, this isn't something that people, historians, have ever looked at, I don't think. We might be the first to ever, you know, study this one in depth. Mm. Um, and it is the song... By the Rolling Stones, Too Much Blood, which is uh, from their 1983 album Undercover. And it was also released as a single, I think, well, it must have been because there's a video to go with it, which is you know, primarily what we're looking at. We're looking at the song and the video. It's uh, it's over six minutes long, so it's a bit of an epic. Um, and I Undercover... Mean, the... Go on. Yeah, go on. I was going to say Undercover by the Rolling Stones. Uh this came out when I was 11 and I knew of the Rolling Stones I didn't know too much I wasn't a rock historian at that point I didn't go back a rock historian rock historian if you like <laughs> mm. um, I was just all about the new and the fresh and the exciting and pop music and the before this came out they did a single called Undercover of the Night which um, I recently controversially tweeted as their best song and I thought it oh, was such a controversialist. I, I just I, iconoclast. I like they should think. put you on GB News. Shouldn't they just? Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the state of that fucking Scottish fella on there recently, Neil Oliver? Yeah, the one who did the program about the coastline, it, which which everyone loved so much, but now he's just turned into a. It was it was a trick. He tricked us crank. into liking it. Oh, he's <laughs> a nice man. He just enjoys the simple pleasures of the so, British Isles yeah, a coastline. Spoken. Softly spoken like, Scottish gentleman. No, no, not really, cunt. No, no. I'm an absolute asshole. Look, and look I fooled the... you all into paying attention to me. And now I'm going to bombard you with my asshole opinions. Look into my eyes. Look how they slowly swivel with my deranged <laughs> outpourings. <laughs> His latest one was, was at the weekend where he said that Glastonbury was a festival of the walk. Mm. And the oh, there's something else he said. I can't remember. I just saw the tweet, and he's, he, he's oh, the white and the walk. I think he said, yeah. Um, got a point, but you know, it's, I mean, not it's much very white. It's, it, it, it is very white. I white. mean, I suppose that's 
That is, I mean, by white, he means, I know what he means by that. It's not just that everyone's Caucasian. Mm. But uh, as for it being woke, I, I think that's great. There's different, yeah, there's, that, that makes for a good fucking festival, yeah. you cunt. Yeah, ah, a... Do you know what I think it would be better? If this festival was full of people with more reactionary opinions like me. <laughs> Why don't why don't vessels have more intolerance? Why can't there be an intolerant festival where people yeah, are close, yeah. where people aren't open minded to d- other people's lifestyle choices? Why, why, why can't we have a festival where people celebrate things not changing, or in fact things going backwards? Why can't we celebrate oppression and narrow mindedness? Why isn't there a festival for that? I'll tell you why. It's because we are being oppressed. It's called fucking everyday life, mate. <laughs> I had a really nice, uh, I, I had a nice day at the weekend. I took me me dad to the F one and my son. It was like a multi generational day out, and my dad was on the way back. We were talking about driving, and my dad was talking about when I was a kid, and I used to stand on the in the back seat on the kind of footrest thing that was between the two seats. And stand oh. looking over, looking over the two front seats out of the yeah, window. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's a brilliant thing to do. It is a brilliant. It's thing really to do. dangerous. It's incredibly dangerous thing to do. Mm. And I was just thinking, that's the kind of thing. That's the seatbelt legislation is the kind of thing that the anti-woke believers oh, have yeah. taken away from us by the yeah. EU. They've yeah, made yeah. us wear seatbelts and not stand in the fucking back of the car and potentially going straight through the windscreen when there's a crash, and smoking in pubs and stuff like that. Yeah, right. yeah, well, yeah, yeah absolutely. Taken away. Yeah, they hate it that they stopped having um, standing at uh, football and um, they yeah. got rid of w- wooden football stadiums just because they occasionally caught on fire and people died in a horrific human inferno, right? And suddenly the woke brigade say, oh no, we <laughs> have to that. legislate against people setting fire to themselves <laughs> by mistake. We've got to make stadiums safer. We've got to make them safer. Well, why people don't go to football to be safe? The whole appeal of going to football is that it's the sense of jeopardy. Will you come home alive? <laughs> and let's get rid of wooden footballs while we're on. Get rid of them. Unbelievable. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, he's a cunt, and they should. What I'm saying is they should replace him with you going on there with your. Um, counterintuitive musical opinions. Yeah, yeah. It didn't. Um, it didn't anger people as much as I thought it would. But then again, I didn't. Uh. Didn't tweet it on a Friday night when people were watching drunkenly watching music documentaries on channel on their sorry BBC Mate, Four. I'm only going to have respect because you've been a, a, a rock controversialist for a while now, right? Yeah. And I think that maybe you're getting less reactions than you used to because people have got used to it. And I, for one, will only have respect for you when you have the fucking balls to come out on a Friday night and say yeah. most of Bowie's music was shit apart yeah. from the stuff he did with Nile Rogers. Apart from Let's Dance. <laughs> nah, I'm never right? going to say that. I'm sorry. Most of it was black music for people, for white people who are too scared to listen to black music, so they listened yeah. to David Bowie doing a cheap rip-off. Until he did one good album, which was the album he made with black people. Yeah. And that was almost as good as the actual black music he was trying to pastiche. Well, it there's an opinion for you to tweet. It's, it sounds like an off the peg opinion that you no, heard it's yourself. Just, no, it's just an idea. I've right. got, I, I'm on the fence. I, don't, I haven't got anything <laughs> against David Bowie. 
I think it's great all that lightning bolt across the. Um, I like all that. Is he gay? Is he straight? Is he a man? Is he? A, it's so amazing and is wild. Is he an alien? Yeah, uh, it's it's freaky shit, right? He's pushing the boundaries. It's like, whoa, what's going on? I'm so confused by David Bowie, right? Um, uh, but you know, I'd rather listen to the Temptations. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, I was listening. To, it came up on one of my playlists yesterday from a similar era of Ziggy Stardust. Uh, Ballroom Blitz by The Sweet. Mm. That mm. feels like a song that could be dived. You go to the yeah. lyrics of that. Really, I've uh, not, I've not examined them before. Well, I mean, I can just give you a couple of lines now if you want. Um, it's, it's the ballroom blitz, but um, yeah, sweet ballroom blitz. Um, I see a man at the back. As a matter of fact, his eyes were as red as the sun, and the girl in the corner that no one ignores because she thinks she's the passionate one. The man at the back said, "Everyone attack." And it oh. turned into a ballroom blitz. And the girl in the corner said, Boy, I want to warn you, it'll turn into a ballroom blitz. Ballroom blitz. So what? Ballroom blitz. So it's just like a fight at the ballroom. Ball punch up, yeah. Yeah. In the ballroom. Yeah. You, you know, uh, I, I've definitely told you this before, but talking of iffy lyrics, My Sharona by The Knack oh. is a non-sanctum, isn't oh, it? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. It's an it's an ode to paedophilia. But yeah. my mate Jeff, when he lived in LA, reckons he bought a motor. It was a Mustang, mm. right, if I remember rightly, off of Sharona. The Sharona. Of the Sharona. Of the, the Sharona. Yeah. Of course, I've since dwelled upon it. It was well, it's a story. It was like his it's like a trademark story of his. Mm. I'm Jeff. I once bought a car off of the Sharona from, from my Sharona, Sharona, right? Wow. And you're like, brilliant. But then again, maybe you went along and they're negotiating over price and she's going, here's something that might make a bit of a difference. Mm-hmm. I am actually the Sharona from my Sharona. And yeah. that is why you're paying a premium. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like that estate agent who told me that the house next door belonged to a direct descendant of William Shakespeare. He'll be adding yeah. a fucking premium onto that, won't he, with will. that sort of talk. So maybe Jeff just got ripped off because she said, mm. he going, oh, I don't know, 10,000 bucks is a bit over the odds for a car with this mileage on the clock. And she went, oh, yeah. Thing what? is. What? <laughs> Thing is, how many cars have you bought off of someone who a very famous hit was named after? <laughs> very iffy one as well. I bought I bought a bicycle off of Ruby Tuesday out of the Rolling Stones song. <laughs> <laughs> if you've bought a vehicle from the subject of a hit song from the past, give us a call. <laughs> we'll be talking to you between three and four this afternoon. I bought um, a moped off of Angie. <laughs> um, yeah, my Sharona. Of course, by the time she sold the car, she would have been old enough to drive, so that makes it all right, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. There was no indication that there There's was no... anything sexual going on between him, her so and Jeff. Jeff. I think they were about the same age. And I, and I don't think Jeff said to her, oh, oh, really? Oh, well, that's interesting, because I've got a few questions to ask about the lyrics of that song. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. Great song, apart from the lyrics. Different times. Yeah. Different times. Um, oh, and of course, they, in the song, they, they sing, Oh, you make my motor run. My motor run. So yeah. maybe that's the motor in question. Maybe they they gave she's her like, the car. 
That you know the best the motor one. running. That's the motor it's talking about. It gave me as a thank you for it being a hit. <laughs> and it all being about me. Unbelievable. That's what you're getting here. I mean, it's like when, you know, listen, I'd love to keep hold of it, but times are tough right now for me. <laughs> um I just lost one of my biggest contracts. I'm a contractor. I won't tell you what I contract for, yeah, but I am a contractor. Lads. It's, to be honest, it's just like when Nobby Styles had to sell his World Cup winner's medal. It's the same thing. I'm having to sell my motor from the song I Sharona, my Sharona. And same I didn't deal. Get it's it. not like maybe, God willing, one day I'll, I'll be back on my feet and I'll buy it back off you. And I didn't get it easy because I said, look, am I going to get a cut of the publishing because this is a massive hit? And they went, no. I went, hang on, it's called My Sharona. That's fucking me. Therefore, I get a piece of the action. And they said, no, we've written it. We've just written about you. You don't get anything. You know, ask a lawyer. So I did. And he, he I said, said, yeah, that's the what case. What about my mum and dad? They were the ones who came up with the name in the first place. Don't they get publishing? Yeah, they've got the copyright on me. They created me. And they went, no, no deal. So they give me the no. car and uh, I just I agree to shut up in the end was, it. Yeah, it was sort of like a case of settling out of court and now look at me I'm on the bones of my arse selling it to a cunt like you sorry no offence you seem like a nice <laughs> lad <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, I forgot where we were at Rolling Stones yeah uh, controversial pop opinions um yeah, under cover of the yeah, night. So you said it was their best song. I think it's their best song. Not this song. But... You'll have heard it, Sam. I know I, yeah. I tried to sing a bit from, from it the, the other day. But, you did, um, yeah. <laughs> the listeners don't need to know about those no. kind and of we, private we can't, conversations we, can't we have. We can't play it because of like uh, copyright reasons, and we really don't yeah. want it. Maybe we'll play it on our next. Um, maybe we'll do a. a um, one of our turbo subscriber music mm. episodes that we where we get around the music licensing issue yeah. with songs that we have discussed over the years. We could um, do that. Yeah, I mean this song. Just for a bit of backstory to why we're deep diving it. I was dry, I was I did the um, I had the old Discover Weekly up. I like right. my Discover Weekly. I've trained the algorithm now. I used to hate it and think that it was judging me poorly. But right. I wasn't giving it enough data. Now right. I've given it enough data. And where it's at at the moment, I really like the songs it's chucking at me every okay. week a lot. I actually have a spin-off. It's a playlist mm. called The Best of Discover Weekly. So every song I particularly like from Discover Weekly, I go, I put it onto a sub-playlist. Yeah. Click. Anyway. Click. It's a good system. Add. Click. Add. I like that one. I'll pretend that I've always known it. I'll pretend that I didn't discover it on Spotify, but that I own it on vinyl from a long time ago. <laughs> so it's a good system. Anyways, I was driving along, you know, doing some chores in my motor, listening yeah. to Discover Weekly, and then this song came on. Dropping and I things thought, off, picking things up, you know. Exactly that, mate. Uh, having, having a little poodle around the neighbourhood, beeping at people I recognised. Yeah. Winding down the window, oi, oi, all that sort of stuff, <laughs> right? Having a pop at some people who were getting in my way and whatnot. Um, getting myself into a few situations. <laughs> Having to talk my way out of them. I'll go to my wife, I'm just popping out to get myself into a few situations in the motor. I'll be back later. <laughs> Keeps the brain agile, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Keeps me on my toes, see? Uh, so I was I was driving around doing a bit of that and this song came on and my first thoughts about the song were fucking hell this is really good right I didn't realise it was the Stones because uh. it's got a real groove to it 
It sort of reminded me, it's got, it's very of its era. It's like 1983 and it's got like a lot of horns. And and funnily enough, speaking of Noel Rogers, it's got that kind of guitar riff in it. It's got a bit of a disco vibe to it, hasn't it? It's got a disco vibe. It doesn't sound, I thought it sounded a little like sort of um, Tom Tom Club, the production Mm. on it, right? Which was that sort of era where they were doing a lot of people's records for them. Mm. And I thought, I like the sound of this. And then I was surprised to see it was the Stones. So I thought, obviously, at this period in the Stones, they were sort of, they were post being the the Rolling Stones of yore, but they had yet to transform into the legacy act they are are today. So I think they were probably in, like, a difficult period, and Mm. and that is why they thought... And when bands are in that, they try to follow what's on trend at the time, which the Stones would never do now. Yeah, because well, I mean, they're they, above they, it. They, they did that with Undercover of the Night, the, the title track on the album, which I, I think it's fucking brilliant. It sounds really modern and it's got really great beat and it's got kind of great effects on it and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's really sparse. Um, I, I'll, I'll insist that you listen to it at the end of this oh, well, episode. Oh, no, it sounds great. I mean, again, a bit like Bowie. I'm sure you've heard in, it, though. In, I'm sure you've heard it. A bit it like Bowie in this same era when he finally got round to having some balls, right? Yeah. The... the um, they, they thought, fuck it, we're going to do something that's got a little bit of soul and a bit of disco in it. Jalapeño. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Jalapeño. First I'm thinking, this is good, I like this. I like this. And that's all I'm thinking. But then a minute in, right, he starts talking. And we're going to get to it, so I'm not going to do any spoilers. But Jagger cuts off from the singing and he starts saying things. And I'm mm. thinking, this is interesting. But first, he started talking a little bit in the transatlantic way he sings. And he's talking about the Texas chain. Uh, he's talking about um, some movie or another. I can't remember what. And, uh, and you're like, this is quite amusing and weird. Jagger doesn't often do talking bits. but um, uh. And I like a talking bit in a song, right? I mean, Prince does a talking bit in most of his songs. He loves it, right? And then I'm thinking, this is quite good. I'm, I'm quite, I'm, I'm finding this quite funny as well as musically pleasing. Yeah. But then he does another talking bit about thirty seconds later, and then he goes into his actual like sort of nasally London accent, and he starts saying really weird things about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> and he goes out. We'll get to this, but just give you a flavour of what's to come. He goes, yeah, you seen that on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? Right? At that point, at that point, as I told you earlier today, I pulled the car over. (laughs) Stop. I pulled the car over. (laughs) Yeah. 
right, in the middle of my chores, yeah. I pulled it over and immediately WhatsApped you a link to the song. Because <laughs> you forgot it. Because I thought, I'm going to forget this. And this is, and I like, la- because I'd laughed out loud. And for, for me, if you laugh out loud at something when you're alone, that's a litmus test, right? Yeah. That's like, this is really good because I'm on my Jack Jones just doing my chores and I'm laughing out loud. I thought, if I don't text this to Andy, I'll forget to mention it because mm. we could do something with this. So I sent it to you and said, listen to it. But I thought, that's 50-50 whether he'll get round to listen to it. He's busy man. That's um, true. But then it goes a step further because you mm. don't just fucking listen to it. You think, I'll fucking watch the cunt on YouTube. <laughs> And then we get into a whole different sphere that I was unaware of, right? <laughs> the fucker's got a video. Bit of background on the song before we go any further. And it's not nice. It's not nice. It's based on a true story. Um, oh, no. It's based on um, Isai Sag- Sagawa, also known as Pang or the Kobe Cannibal. And he's a Japanese murderer, cannibal mm. and necrophile. Who was um, who killed a woman called Rene Hartvelt in Paris in 1981? So this is a couple of years before they did this song. He murdered her, uh, mutilated, cannibalized, and performed necrophilia on her corpse over several days. And he was found legally insane pre-trial and then deported to Japan. Um, and it says here his release was due to a legal technicality, and his post-release celebrity in Japan led to international publicity. Fucking hell. So, uh, he killed this woman while he was in France. Did terrible, terrible things. Right. And um, the charges in France were dropped. Uh, The court documents were sealed and not released to Japanese authorities. And consequently, he could not be legally detained in Japan. So he just walked out of the fucking hospital one day in 1986. He found this legal loophole fucking dusted himself down wandered out yeah. and that was it and he's been free to this day so he's still on the loose now apparently um, in between 86 and 97 he was frequently yeah. invited to be a guest speaker and commentator Disgust. what on GB hell. News on GB News and yeah, give me his own fucking yeah. show <laughs> he's, the, he's the new fucking I'm, f- I'm bloody furious about all these woke people <laughs> at the Glastonbury Festival right they're tolerant of different gender identity they're tolerant of race. They're constantly banging on about uh, slavery and uh, the shame of the British Empire's past. Why can't they all just shut up about it? <laughs> <laughs> shut up, mate. You yeah. fucking murderer. Uh, he's written books about the murder he committed. Uh, he's written restaurant reviews as well. I'll do Disgusting. two things, right? I'll write, I've got two things i like to write about. The murders I did and dinners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and fully enough, there's a big, if it were a Venn diagram, trust me, there's a big, a big overlap in them two middle. things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'll just allude to that, you know, in some of the reviews. <laughs> There'll be a few little word gags that only those yeah. in the know will pick That's up on. Something for the fans, for the hardcore. But imagine oh, how God. they, like, so this story's come out. Mm. Imagine that fucking Jack has gone, eh, Keith, have you heard about this? I'll read you know, this in Car Magazine. And Hank Gazer in Japan, he's chopped uh, someone's head off, right? <laughs> and he's eaten. He kept him in the fridge. I'll tell you what, Keith, I mean, I think I'm oh, going to write a song about so, it. Sounds like an it. What do you reckon, Keith? Let's <laughs> <laughs> go all the makings of a hit. If you want to play a song, write the lyrics, man, I'll write the riff. <laughs> Charlie, I'm thinking, of, 
It sounds to me like it's got a bit of a disco vibe to it. Yeah, that's right. We'll make it a bit of a disco here. <laughs> Charlie, <laughs> Charlie, can you do a disco beat, please? Uh. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake, what oh, the fuck have they again. come up with now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I've got to pay the bill somehow, I suppose. <laughs> I'll, I'll, just, uh, I'll just sit here and think about jazz while I'm doing yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Think about how much jazz I can buy with the money How much from jazz this. I'll buy once this this preposterous <laughs> song has somehow proven a hit with the ghastly mainstream record buying public. <laughs> the non jazz fans. <laughs> I mean, in this video, Charlie does just do what Charlie did. He just plays the beat and does nothing else. There's an occasional wry smile on his face. And yeah, that's I just it. sort of feel like I just feel sorry for Charlie Watts when I watch almost anything to do with the Stones, but particularly this. I mean, mm. this is a fucking... This is utter insanity, and in, in many ways, it's undignified. And Charlie Watts is uh, is one of the most dignified men in the history of rock and yeah. roll. Yeah. And you think... And how he managed to keep his dignity in the face of some of the fucking absurd hijinks that Mick and Keith have got up to over the years. Yeah. And you see him in this video and he's just sort of, I swear, at one bit, mate, at one bit, I swear, it's almost imperceptible, but Charlie Watts almost shakes his head in a sort of a, like, <laughs> just it, like, he, he just can't fathom it. Yeah. He's just so deeply disappointed in what's happening in front of him. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he just, he just does his thing. Um, didn't he? He regarded it as his group, didn't he, Charlie? <laughs> Did he? I'm pretty sure he said that once. But he used to just, just zone out and just do his do his fucking. There was a Mick Jagger documentary at the weekend, wasn't there, mate? I only saw the last five minutes of it. I didn't watch it, but there's one for each member. It's a four part series. Or five Is this part, the Stone really sort the of like thing. you know, like McCartney this year has thought, ah, I might be dead soon, so I better do a yeah. load of things, right? Yeah. Which fair enough, that's right. And yeah, yeah, do you think the st- that's what we're doing, do, isn't it? We're leaving the legacy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And you think, like, um, obviously, Charlie died, which was awful. And they probably had this plan before he died anyway. But do you think they have sort of thought, time to get the old uh, legacy nailed down with a few documentaries is. and whatnot? Yeah. I don't know when it was made, though. I don't know whether it was before Charlie died or not, because there mm. is a Charlie episode. I don't know how recent they've, they've done it, but um, they're all on iPlayer, I think. At the minute, but only the four the the four members as of Charlie's death. Mick they Faith, haven't got Charlie and uh, and Ronnie Wood. They haven't got Wyman, Wyman to do one, have they? Well, that Bill takes Wyman's... us back to the whole uh, my Sharona type. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Vibe. Bill Wyman is just like a Benny Hill sketch where he's just chasing new ball teenagers around. Has he been written park? out of Rolling Stones history? Pretty much. He's in this video though, isn't he? He's in this video, and I've got to say, very incongruous. Mm. Like, maybe because she's no longer a stone, but you sort of think, oh my God, who's that geography teacher? What's he mm. doing here? Yeah. <laughs> but he'd been in there since the start, hadn't he, Bill Wyman? Yeah, but at this stage, like in the 80s, they are all they were transitioning style-wise. Of course they were. Yeah. Because they all looked the same when they started. They were all in suits. And then they got a little bit 60s, sort of Carnaby Street, and they were all still like that. But by the time it got to the 80s, they were kind of, you know, they're approaching middle age, really. Yeah. And they're like, well, Bill Wyman's like, to be honest, I'm just into hanging around nightclubs in Kensington, seeing if I can pick up any young skirt. And I, I get most of my clothes from John Lewis Men's Department. 
happy to join in. Happy to continue with the group if you still yeah. want me. But, like, uh, Charlie's yeah. still like, look, I'm effortlessly, effortlessly stylish. I always have been. <laughs> I always will be. I'm a fucking grown up, and you lot are fucking babies and idiots, right? <laughs> Keith's dressed as a fucking pirate, and Mick's uh-huh. just off his fucking rocker. Absolutely batshit in this video. But uh, from the album, um, oh, I'm looking at the wrong Wikipedia page. I'm looking at the album, but the writing was just the writing was described as fractious, and it was just Ronnie, uh, Mick, and Charlie Watts. So I don't think that Keith oh. had much of an influence on this album. Perhaps he was uh, otherwise occupied. Maybe it was a period um, they've had ups and downs for sure, haven't they? Yeah. Maybe it was in a period where they weren't really talking. Him and it Mick said. It was an arduous process, largely because Jagger and Rich's famous mid-1980s row began during these sessions. So uh-huh. there was a row that went on for years. Jagger was mm. keenly aware of new styles and wanted to keep the Rolling Stones current and experimental, which is kind of how it sounds, I think. Yeah. While Rich's yeah. was more focused on the band's rock and blues roots. As a result, there was friction yeah. and the tension between the members would increase over the coming years. Um, Jack Richards had emerged from his self-destructive lifestyle and thus sought a more active role in the creative direction of the band, much to the chagrin of Jagger, who had enjoyed nearly a decade in relative control of the band. So Keith's walking up and just going, yeah, I want to have some input into the songs. Yeah. Again, I'm feeling really good. And mix up. Come on, guys, it's 1970. Time to change <laughs> yeah. it. It's not 1970, yeah. you dope. It's 1983. So. What are you talking about? I've been writing all the songs for the last 10 years, Keith. You can't just can't turn up and start joining in. New fucking cock from New Year's Eve 1969. <laughs> We've been through the three-day week since then and you missed the whole thing, you dirty bugger. You're <laughs> uh, telling me there's a chicken down in the street? <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, it, it says on Wikipedia, Jagger uses a half-hearted rap delivery for some lines. Saying at the time, oh. Oh, I'm not a great rapper. It's just made up on the spot as well. <laughs> yeah, you can fucking tell. Yeah, you can tell, mate. Because <laughs> it doesn't rhyme. I, I didn't even consider it to be rapping. I just thought it was like yeah. a, a speaking the interlude. Stream of consciousness. I suppose, you know, you could, you could say it's like Martin Fry going... Um, Sometimes my friends, they ask me, they say, Martin, will you ever find true love? Yeah. Or as he said, I don't know if he said this at the old Newcastle gig last week, but certainly at the London one, he said, my friends have been asking me for 40 years now, will you ever find true love? Oh, very good. Very clever. Very good. Um, So it was produced, uh, it was recorded in Paris. There's a remix of it by Arthur Baker, who at the same Mm. time as this would have been remixing um, or recording I or you by Freeze. That classic. Ah, oh, so Arthur Baker's state of the art. Um, I didn't even know he produced that. I'll have to seek. It's a twelve and a half minute dance version. I'll have to seek that out. That seems really good. <laughs> that's that's my fucking twelve and a half minutes this afternoon sorted. Yeah, after you've listened to Undercover of the Night and the video, yeah. which we're going to talk about in the next episode. Let's be honest. Um, mm. Video was directed by Julian Temple. Oh, who mm. uh, made the great rock and roll swindle? He did. Loads made of a great, great videos. Clash documentary and yeah. all sorts of great and documentaries. I, yeah, but this, I, of course, think, was the era for big. This is when MTV was just starting. Around this was it this year, in fact, or maybe it was the about year before. Then, year or two before, maybe. But this was certainly the year when Duran Duran 
and Spandau mm. were making their huge, big budget videos, and the Stones would have had a look yeah. at that and thought, oh, well, we need Definitely. to get involved in that. But this yeah. actually, although it is quite, I mean, it's certainly arty and experimental, it's not mm. a straightforward performance video by any means. It doesn't look, I was thinking, considering they're the Rolling Stones, like now, if the Stones made a video, releasing and made a video, you would expect it to be like colossal. I'm yeah. talking helicopters, explosions, the lot. Yeah. And certainly, you know, Duran Duran in this era were like, you know, fucking on a yacht and all the rest of it, weren't they? Or yeah. in Sri Lanka, running around in a fucking villa, in a market in Sri Lanka. Um, but this, in comparison, although it is arty and creative, very much so, it's uh, it's not big budget or lavish by any means in comparison to the other bands of the era, was it? I don't think it's big budget, but it's it's ambitious. It's it ambitious in, in terms and of it, the imagination it applies, yeah. Yeah. Um, it didn't hit the charts at all. Mm. There's no sign of it on the, the UK charts. So there's a video for it, but I don't even know if it was actually a single. I well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I was, mean, I, I, t- I, I would have almost been unaware of the existence of the Rolling yeah. Stones when I was eight. Because my yeah. parents weren't really big Stones fans, sort of thing. They weren't. They were like into the Beatles and other stuff, but they weren't. Mm. It wasn't a band that I had my parents really talking about or playing. And uh, and yeah, that's what I'm saying. They were mid-era, weren't they? Because yeah. they weren't as big as they'd been in the sixties, and they weren't quite as big as they became, I guess, from the nineties onwards, where people started to just you know refer to them casually as the biggest rock and roll band of all time, yeah. which people say now it's probably true, right? And uh, but in this era, they were. Uh, would you say they were lost, Andy? Not really, because like I said, the the, the album itself had quite a, um, a modern style, and a couple of years before that, they'd had a hit with "Start Me Up," which had been top ten. Mm. But the hits were fewer and far in between. And the Miss You the had come into what, the 90s. years before this. Miss You was that's another uh, disco one, wasn't it? That's, that's one yeah, of that my was, that, was a, that was a big hit. Um, but yeah, they generally they'd have one hit per album, and then the other singles would just bomb. And this one, yeah, did, what I mean is they weren't sure where they fitted into things. Is what yeah. I suppose I'm saying. But, um, I, I like this song, and I like the the, um, the title track of the album. So I suggest we'll we'll end it there for now. We'll come back and have a proper yeah, look at it we'll, next time. we'll get into the real meat of the video, and it really is uh, quite spectacular stuff. And um, you should actually watch the video of Undercover of the Night rather than just listen to the song because the video is great as now, well. Mate. So get get the yeah. YouTube one. Have a look at that. And we'll um, we'll be back with more next week. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 